baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. I'm Grant McCauley and another week of the 2019 season is behind us. And it was a very good week for the Atlanta Braves who had themselves a very good homecoming to SunTrust Park. It may not have started out the way they wanted it to and it may not have ended the way they wanted to, but bookended in those six games, a four-game winning streak and two series victories, one against the Cardinals and then one against the Brewers. You'll take those series wins as many as you can get and as often as you can get them, that's for sure, and the Braves Definitely took care of business on what's going to be, I would say, a memorable homestand. No two ways about that, as the Braves welcomed a prospect that we talked about on the last episode, somebody that we've been talking about for a number of weeks, if not maybe a year or so. And that would be perhaps future third baseman Austin Riley. But for right now, he is present-day Atlanta Braves left fielder Austin Riley. We're going to hear from him, and we're also going to talk about his debut, his first few games in the majors, and what it means to the Atlanta Braves, the lineup in particular, as he made his big league debut, and it was one that we won't soon forget. We'll get to that. We'll also talk about Mike Fultonevich getting himself back on track in his recent start, a little bit of history for Freddie Freeman, and the Braves made a trade on Monday to perhaps strengthen the bullpen at the very least to trot out a new piece and try something different, and we'll talk about that on this episode as well. If you're finding this podcast for the first time, I invite you to subscribe. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave a rating and a review if you'd be so kind. I really appreciate those. Gotten a lot of great ones. And again, those kind words go a long way. Also, be sure to follow along on social media. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. And the show is at FromTheDiamond underscore on Twitter as well. You can also go to FromTheDiamond.com. That's where you'll find every episode of the show and all of the other Braves and baseball content throughout the 2019 season. So FromTheDiamond.com, that's where you can find it all, as I like to say. Let's get the show started with some Atlanta Braves news. There was certainly no shortage of it this week. As we got through the last episode of the podcast, or when last we spoke, it was all about when Austin Riley was going to come up. When was he going to get the call? If he was going to get the call, and if so, when? Maybe that's the best way to put it. Well, we found out the answer to both of those questions, both the if and the when, and the answer was late Tuesday night slash early Wednesday morning. The reports came out, and then by Wednesday, the Braves made it official. Ender Inciarte goes on the injured list, and Austin Riley got the call to the big leagues. So after destroying minor league pitching for much of the season and really for the last three weeks prior to his call-up, Braves fans were clamoring for it, and Austin Riley got his opportunity. He made his major league debut as Atlanta's left fielder, on Wednesday against the St. Louis Cardinals. Riley had torched AAA for the three or so weeks before his call-up. Inter Inciarte hurt himself in the first game of the Cardinals series, and that was not a memorable day for the Braves. And Mike Fultonevich, who we'll talk about a little bit later, he was hit up for eight runs. The Braves lost that game 14-3. to And after that road trip, which ended 6-4, and you come home and you get beat like that, and all of a sudden it's kind of easy to think, especially from the fan perspective. I mean, here we go again. 
you come home and maybe you're a little bit tired, maybe you're a little bit jet lagged, even with the day off. But that's certainly not what you're looking for to start off the homestand. But that was not a sign of things to come. In fact, the next five games went pretty well for the Braves. Even though they lost on Sunday, there were still some things that you liked to see in that game. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But as far as that game against the Cardinals, Ender Inciarte's injury was probably the biggest storyline coming out of it because it started to get that, I wouldn't say rumor mill, but that thought process going of, well, if Ender Inciarte misses time, what direction do the Braves want to go here? And as we talked about in the last episode, it wasn't just Austin Riley who was down there in AAA Gwinnett hitting home runs left and right, but it was also the veteran, the former All-Star Adam Duvall, who came over in a trade last year. So there was a question to be answered. Which way would the Braves go? The Braves decided to go with the youngster, the prospect, the slugger, and let youth be served here and open up this opportunity for him. And as we foreshadowed last week, or as the Braves really foreshadowed by making the decision, Austin Riley started playing left field a little bit. You thought at first maybe it's an experiment, and maybe it's just in case. But we found out very quickly that the Braves feel pretty confident that the bat is major league ready and that he can make it with the glove. He can make it work. And Atlanta's done this before. I mean, this is a totally different regime quite a few years later, but Evan Gaddis has been given the opportunity to play left field before. The Braves were trying various infielders out there. I mean, Johan Camargo is certainly an athletic guy, but he hadn't played the outfield much either. And you look at even a few years ago when they were trotting Jace Peterson around, giving him different spot starts in the outfield. So it's not uncommon. And while it may be a wholly unfamiliar place for Austin Riley, it's one that he started working on over the offseason, worked a little bit more in spring training, and he's had himself ready for this. So hopefully that's going to be a place where he can set up for a little while. And when you think about the impact he can make with a bat, it gets you really excited about what the Braves can be penciling in the lineup each and every day. So let's get into it. Riley made his major league debut on Wednesday. He was one for four, but it was the start of really a debut homestand for this kid. Home run in his second major league at bat as Riley went deep off Adam Wainwright, setting the tone for a four-game streak in which he had more than a few hits and a couple of big home runs. So already making an impact from his first day on the job. Let's hear from Austin Riley, courtesy of Braves Radio, as he was surrounded by the media to discuss what's been going right this season. I felt good down in AAA, um, you know, swinging the bat well, you know, worked on a few things, you know, kind of cut down the strikeouts, you know, more consistent contact uh, and, uh, you know, actually brought the walks up a little bit. And that's kind of, you know, what, you know, goals I was going for and, uh, you know, been swinging it well and, and happy to be here. But happy to be here is certainly one of the biggest understatements that a young player or even an older player, doesn't matter what age you are, when you get to the major leagues, Happy to be here is the number one thing, most certainly, but you also want to live up to the expectations that come with that. And there's no two ways about it. When you're swinging the bat the way Austin Riley was, there are expectations, whether they're from himself, uh, from the organization, or from the fans. It's a whole new ball game, no pun intended, when you come up and have to do this in front of 30 or 40,000 or more fans on a nightly basis. So that'll take a little bit of getting used to, but while the game doesn't change, Austin Riley really had established himself as a power threat to be reckoned with. Ten home runs in 13 games prior to the call-up. He was leading the International League in just about every run-producing category that you can. And a hot streak like that and the numbers that he was putting up is really the culmination of years of hard work throughout his minor league journey. So prior to the debut, Austin Riley discussed all of the hard work that's gone into perfecting his swing to tap into that power stroke. Made a little adjustment on my swing. I've always been kind of those guys that Trying to catch up with the fastball was kind of my big thing, and, and my first initial reaction to it was 
being short, straight to it, like point A to point B, and and I was fouling balls off when when in pitches that I, you know, should be hammering, and you know, me and B Mags and um, Mike Brumley, we tried to get myself on plane with the pitch sooner, you know, back and get my hands in the zone quicker and through the ball, and it, it's helped a lot. The power potential and the kind of production that he was putting up in AAA just underscores that that's the biggest tool that this kid has. I mean, that's what's going to set him up for major league success for a long time. That's what's going to give him job security if he's putting up big numbers in the home run column. But he has really worked hard to not be that kind of one-dimensional hitter that's only looking to take you out of the ballpark. He's done a really nice job, and you heard, working with minor league hitting coaches, and you get a different one at every stop. So this is not... You, know, you get to the major leagues and maybe you work with the same hitting coach for a couple of years or five years or maybe longer, depending on what your career path is and what the club's doing on the coaching staff side of things. But working with different guys along the way, you kind of have to piece things together. But the Braves have done a nice job of putting good, solid, fundamental coaches that can recognize different aspects of what you can adjust to give a player just that little bit more success or maybe that little bit more confidence. And I think for Riley, it's a little bit of both. It's mechanically adjusting as all players have to do, but also building on the confidence that you can have at the plate as a hitter, which I think is really taking his game to the next level as well. So those adjustments have paid off. He's hitting the ball squarely. He's driving it to all fields. We've already seen that on his couple of home runs. One to left center field, not a cheap one, almost 440 feet. That was his first major league hit, first major league homer. And then a go-ahead home run a few nights ago that was an opposite field shot. So Austin Riley can hurt you. And he very nearly had a third home run on that homestand a miss by about an inch, hitting it off the top of the right center field brick wall just over the Braves' bullpen. That, on some nights, depending on you know how the ball's flying, might have had just enough to get out of there. But if it weren't for the higher wall out there, it would have been another home run for Austin Riley. Wednesday, though, Major League debut, a night he'll never forget. It was storybook. His first Major League hit was that home run off Adam Wainwright. And here's Austin Riley sizing up his major league debut. You know, I'm speechless, I guess you could say. Um, you know, after that first at bat, I was just kind of like, you know, same game. You know, he threw me a good change up to strike me out. Um, a second at bat, you know, I figured he was going to challenge me a little bit and was able to put a good swing on it. And, you know, last at bat was, was just a hair out in front, but still put a good swing. You know, it's hard to tell that this kid might have been playing in his first major league game. And a lot of people have said this just around the team. When you look at this kid, he just looks like a major league ball player. And it didn't take him very long to make his presence felt. But just like everyone else, this kid is human, which might not be readily apparent from the numbers he's been putting up. But the moment wasn't lost on Austin Riley as he climbed into the batter's box for the first time at SunTrust Park. All up until that first at bat, even in the field, I was fine. Like, I didn't really have any nerves. And then I got in the box and I could feel my left foot kind of shaking a little bit. I was just like, I got just got to breathe. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I said, never would have guessed I would hit a home run in my, my debut, and it's, it's awesome. Yeah, awesome, I think, would be a pretty good way to sum that up for him. Not just that first night, but that opening homestand for Austin Riley. Five games, he went eight for 19, so batting a cool 421 with a couple of home runs. He drove in four runs. He scored four more. And the kid just looks like he belongs, and he'll be part of the trip out west as the Braves will have him in left field again. He did get a start at third base on Sunday, but Brian Snitker has reiterated the plan is to have Austin Riley in left field on most days unless Josh Donaldson is getting a night off or Austin Riley's in the starting lineup to give Josh a little bit of a breather. But either way, this is a Braves lineup you have to be excited about. And with both those men in the starting nine, which is something you certainly want, then this group should be able to put up a whole bunch of runs, and they've shown that over the past week.
Meanwhile, we'll turn our attention to the Braves starting pitching as the rotation has really started to come into its own this month. We all know what Max Fried and Mike Soroka have meant to the Atlanta rotation. They have carried that group thus far this year. No two ways about that. All of a sudden, though, Kevin Gosman and Julio Tehran, the veterans that you wanted to rely on, those guys are starting to string together some good outings. Now Atlanta's hoping to get Mike Fultonevich back on track and back to his all-star form. And to that end, he took a big step on Sunday, did Fultonevich against Milwaukee. A lot of folks were looking at it thinking, well, maybe he needs to just take a step back and have a breather, maybe skip a start. That was not what Fultonevich wanted to do. And instead, he went to work between starts trying to make some mechanical adjustments. He, just like everyone else, didn't want to continue to hear was spring training and missing all that time, the reason why he wasn't performing at this point. He feels physically like he can go out there and compete, but the numbers were not backing that up. Well, that changed on Sunday as the numbers certainly backed it up for Fulte, who used his mechanical adjustments for six innings of two-run ball, no walks, and three strikeouts for him. He did allow a couple of home runs, so that's something you always look to improve on. But if it's just solo shots, you feel a little bit better about what's going on, and when you're not walking guys and not giving up very many hits, as Fulton Evans did not, just three hits in six innings, you can live with a couple of solo shots. That notwithstanding, he did have to leave the game early, had some lightheadedness, some dizziness that I think started to affect him around the fifth inning. Had his at-bat in the sixth inning, would have come back out, but I think that all things considered, Brian Snitker wanted to err on the side of caution, and also you wanted to have Mike fulton come out of this start confident. You wanted to have him building off of what he was doing against a very tough Milwaukee Brewers lineup. So a good start for him. Great to see those numbers. Again, six innings, two runs, three strikeouts, just three hits allowed and no walks. Let's hear how Mike fulton sized up this outing. Just made some mechanical adjustments. You know, got my hands into a better position where they needed to be. And, um, yeah, I mean, all my pitches were coming out a lot better than they were in the past. I mean, I was staying closed. Wasn't an open up. Threw a lot of good change-ups. Um, you know, we were favoring the curveball a little bit more than the slider today, but I threw some good sliders as well. So, um, fastball's coming out. So, it was just a overall good day with, um, you know, mechanic where I needed to be. And um, just overall, you know, where I was this last month, it's a good one to build off of. Another good thing to see about that start from Mike Fultonevich was fastball velocity. It was up noticeably. And while he was missing at times and throwing what he would refer to and I think does refer to as non-competitive pitches, it was good to see Fulte be able to reach back and throw 98 miles an hour, 96 miles an hour on a regular basis. Coming into that start, his average fastball velocity was down over two miles an hour from his average fastball velocity of about 96.5 miles an hour last year. He was just a couple of ticks over 94 miles an hour this year. So small sample size, but you just weren't seeing the explosiveness of the fastball and you weren't seeing the great break in the bite on the slider as well. So the strikeouts are still down, but that's something that I think will come. But he wanted to command his pitches better. He wanted to be in and around the strike zone and challenging hitters again. And at the end of that day, coming out after those six innings, those good results, something that he was very happy to see. It means a lot, actually. It means... You know, my teammates are still rooting for me after, you know, um, you know that sad performance last month. But um, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, and like I said, I felt like we built off a, a pretty good outing today um, just with the mechanics. Um, like I said, just, just cleaning up that made all my pitches a little more cleaner. Um, you know, maybe throw them where I want a little bit more instead of, you know, missing really bad or, you know, throwing a pitch that's not even competitive. Um, so it's just that little thing that um, 
you know, it's mechanics and driving through flow or mechanic, whoever I got that day. Um, this really, really helped me out today. Just keeping them off balance was a thing, too. I think we were, you know, might have thrown a little bit too much fastballs in the past, and we kept them really off balance with the changeup and the curve. And it gets talked about a lot, whether it's on a podcast like this, on a show, on a call-in that I've done, or on social media as well. The mental side of this game, because it's as much mental as physical for a pitcher. And the other side of that coin is just as much, if not more, important. And it's something that we've seen time and time again. You have to have that confidence that you go out there with, knowing that you're where you want to be, and also that you can throw all of your pitches with conviction and that you are confident in the game plan that you're trying to execute. And while it is a game of failure, it's also about resilience. And when you've got all your stuff working, you've got all your pitches working, you feel confident, you feel physically and mentally ready to compete, that's when you can find this next level. And, of course, Mike fulton tapped into that a season ago. So kind of getting back into that general area, that's something that's not lost on fulton either. You know, you start thinking about a lot of things, you know, when you, when you do bad, and you know, all that, you know, mental stuff can catch up to you. So, you know, you just got to learn to, you know, flush all that away and just, like you said, keep working, keep grinding. You know, it just seems like, you know, it's that much more work when you're not having fun or you're not going out there and doing your job. And um, but like I said, this is a long season. I'm kind of glad to get all this out of the way early. You know, hopefully I can keep that, in the, you know, in the early months here and just keep building off of that. But um, you can think about a lot of stupid, dumb things, you know, when you're when you're on this path. And, um, you know, but I got a great support team, not only at home, but here. I mean, these 25 guys, these coaches um, have been just tremendous and it brings a tear to my almost <laughs> with the support they brought in me after you know this month and a half so it's love coming to the field being around these guys and you know that's what you know makes this a team for me and um you know this makes you know today a little bit more special you know got guys keep coming up to me and um you know say hey good job and keep it right there you know we need you all that fun stuff and just those words still um right now and even you know the game's passive have meant the world to me and it makes me want to you know work that much better to, to get out these for these guys so as the Braves look for more great performances from Mike fulton you think about, again, to go back to it, how well the starting pitching has been doing in the month of May, especially Braves starters have been routinely getting them into the sixth inning and beyond, and that can have a much-needed carryover effect for the bullpen, which, of course, has been a little bit beleaguered for the Braves throughout the 2019 season. Still trying to figure out a few things there, but we've said it time and time again. If you can get that good, consistent starting pitching more times than not, less outs for the bullpen to have to cover, then you're already putting yourself in a position to succeed. And hopefully Mike fulton will be a big part of that as he makes his next start, which will come on this road trip in St. Louis. So let's talk about a little bit of history. For Freddie Freeman, he made history on Sunday against the Brewers as he cracked home run number 200 for his career. Freddie becomes just the ninth player in Atlanta Braves franchise history to hit 200 career home runs. And it's a pretty good list of who's who. When you're joining a group that includes Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, Dale Murphy, and the likes, you've joined some pretty elite company. The thing about Freddie Freeman, though, that you may already know is not only does he like to do well, as most, if not all, players certainly do recognize statistically where they're at, he also likes to win. So here are Freddie's thoughts following his home run, which came in a 3-2 loss to the Milwaukee Brewers. It means I was lucky enough to get called up early in my career. Uh, that's all it really means. You know, one day I'll look back at it and think it's pretty special, but right now it's just getting over the loss. Not surprised at all to hear that the loss is the thing that he's taking out of the day. But when he does look back and reflect, which may not happen at this point in his career, and for a lot of guys, you hear him say that, and I do think it's true, while they're recognizing where they're going or what they're getting to and milestones and records and accolades are certainly nice and personal awards and things of that nature it's very hard to separate yourself 
from the team aspect of things, especially for a guy like Freddie Freeman, who has been very devoted to this Braves franchise when there weren't as many wins as he would have liked over the past few years, leading into, of course, the 2018 season when things have turned back around now. As far as what happened to the 200th home run ball, a Braves fan by the name of Josh caught that baseball and was nice enough to return it to Freddie Freeman following the game. So good to see that Freddie got that piece of memorabilia back. But what happens to it once Freddie Freeman takes possession of it? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, my dad's been trying to give me back all my memorabilia. I usually give it all to him, but he doesn't like the pressure of having to keep it in his house. So uh, we'll see. I'll, I'm going to see him. So he's going to be in San Fran, so it's going to be nice to see him. Um, but thankful for Josh and his family. they got a great family that were able to return it to me. Well, I guess father and son will have a lot to talk about, and the 200th home run, of course, will be one of the many topics. But I'm sure the family time will be top of the list for the Freemans when it comes to things to do over the next few days. Now, one more business-related note that Freddie Freeman discussed following Sunday's loss to the Brewers is the overall trend for this offense, which was averaging over five and a half runs per game since Ronald Acuna Jr. moved to the leadoff spot about a week and a half ago. Freddie Freeman has noticed what's been happening at the top of the order and all through the order as the Braves' offense has started to click and those hits with runners in scoring position have been happening much more frequently over the last 10 days. We knew we had a great offense, and sometimes you get into a lull, you know, four or five straight days where we didn't score many runs. Sometimes it's just a tweak here and there, and what Ronald's doing at the top of the plate, you know, moving Dansby the two-hole, things just moving people around. Sometimes that's just all you need to get an offense going, and that's what happened. Freddie Freeman and the Braves will be looking for more of those big hits as they embark on the upcoming road trip and just try to keep that good momentum going, but... As Freddie discussed, when you make some changes sometimes just to spark something, it's not just about putting Ronald Acuna Jr. at the top of the order, which is a place a lot of people want to see him hitting. Some of the changes throughout the order have also really helped the Braves lineup come together, and the addition of Austin Riley was nothing but a good thing as well. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Braves made a trade on Monday as well, and it was a little bit unexpected, I'd say, and it broke on social media. What else? But not necessarily on Twitter because someone was reporting that, hey, a trade is close or a trade has been made. Instead, it was the Instagram account of Arodis Vizcaino, which was curious. He sent out a post thanking the Braves for the opportunity and then talking about going to the Seattle Mariners. That's his new home. Well, the odd part about all this, of course, is that Arodis Vizcaino has shoulder surgery, which will keep him very likely on the sideline for the rest of the season, was not expected to pitch again for the Braves. But Vizcaino was also not the only part of this trade. Left-hander Jesse Biddle, who's had an incredibly tough season and command problems, control problems that have led to his removal from the 40-man roster this week, both Vizcaino and Biddle being sent to the Seattle Mariners for veteran reliever Anthony Swarzak and cash considerations. Swarzak was due to make $8.5 million, so this is a salary dump for the Seattle Mariners. They take on Vizcaino, which is more or less just dead money for them, and the cash considerations the Braves receive on their end of this deal, and that should make it pretty much a wash. Now, if you look at the numbers for Anthony Swarzak this year, he was closing games for a hot second in Seattle. He did pick up three saves, but he's 2-2, two and two, 527 the ERA in 15 outings, 13 and two-thirds innings, 14 hits, Six of those are homers. The home run ball has plagued him this year. Eight walks and 17 strikeouts for him. So averaging over 11 strikeouts per nine. And he really turned it on with the Milwaukee Brewers a couple of years back and looked like an extremely effective reliever. But he was part of that trade between the Mariners and the New York Mets, you'll recall, that sent Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz over to New York and sent back a bunch of players, including Jay Bruce and a handful of minor leaguers along with Swarzak to kind of help out with the money aspect of that as the Mets took him off the books. He wasn't great in New York last year either. His ERA was well over six, 
the home run was not as big a problem for him a year ago, but walks most certainly for a lot of relievers. You look at it, and that can be a problem annually. But prior to 2018, he really didn't have a problem with walks. So perhaps, again, a change of scenery and a little adjustment can be made, and he could become a contributor to the Braves' bullpen. The plus side of this, if you want to look at it in the very simple way, is obviously this is not a major move. This is not one that's meant to be the fix for the bullpen, but you aren't going to get anything out of a Rodis Vizcaino. And unfortunately for Jesse Biddle, despite pitching well in 2018, he didn't seem anywhere close to finding it anytime soon. So the Braves essentially took what was a couple of non-factors for their bullpen plan going forward. So it's more like taking a flyer in hopes that he could find a little bit of what made him so successful a couple of years ago. Career ERA just over four. Came up as a starter a decade ago with the Minnesota Twins. He's traveled a long road since then, has been a reliever exclusively for the last six, seven years now. And perhaps Swarzak will be a piece that can at least be a Band-Aid for the Braves for a little while until they can make some other moves to address things that they need in their bullpen, as, of course, they could use some more help. He's still trying to figure things out, and this has been just a strange ride in the bullpen this season. Arodis Vizcaino, you were hoping he would be closing for you. Not happening, season-ending surgery. He's been traded to the Seattle Mariners. A.J. Mentor, you were hoping he'd be able to close some games for you. He missed most of spring training, made one minor league appearance, and really never seemed to find himself upon getting just thrown into the fire to start the year. He's now in AAA Gwinnett trying to figure things out. And while I feel like Mentor will be back, the question is just when the Braves have turned to Luke Jackson to be their closer. And this is a kid that not even two months ago, fans were calling to be designated for assignment yet again, something he got used to a year ago after he gave up a grand slam on opening day. But Jackson has turned into a pretty reliable reliever for the Braves. And don't forget as well, the Braves have been getting some good relief out of Sean Newcomb. And this is something that we discussed on the last podcast, but it bears repeating, Sean Newcomb continues to give the Braves quality work in relief. Sean has yet to allow a run in seven and a third innings, no walks as well. And you can circle that one or highlight it or whatever you want to, but Sean Newcomb's been attacking the strike zone. No walks, seven strikeouts for him. He has been one of the Braves' better relievers over the past two weeks nearly as he has taken on a new role and has been contributing for the Braves as well. So, Alex Anthopoulos will have to continue to search for the answers to the questions in the bullpen, but having Sean Newcomb come in and do what he's done, and perhaps Tuki Toussaint, who's up with the big league club right now and was used in relief over the weekend as well, but if those guys can find consistency in the bullpen, then the Braves may have answered a couple of those questions and done so in-house. But eventually, the Braves are going to have to search for some arms to come in from outside of the organization to answer these questions, and as we go a little bit further into the season, you'll start seeing clubs that are willing to part with different arms that are just not in their plans for this year. I don't know if that's really a long time before the trade deadline, but once at least the calendar turns to the month of June, you can start maybe engaging some clubs that realize we're out of it right now and maybe it's time to make a deal. I'm sure that those phone calls are being made and messages are being exchanged as the Braves try to keep their finger on the pulse of what may develop as they search for upgrades in the bullpen. So Anthony Swarzak, just another piece that the Braves are going to try out. Low-cost move, cash is a wash. It gives the Braves somebody with some experience and an opportunity for maybe that change of scenery that could make the difference. We'll see how he's used as the Braves hit the road. So let's talk about that. What's coming up for the Braves? They're going out on another road trip. This one's going to be seven games, and it's going to start with a four-game series against the San Francisco Giants. And as we always say, when you face a sub-500 team that's down in their luck, which would certainly qualify as a San Francisco Giants team this year, You've got to win the games and beat the teams you're supposed to. Four-game series, though, and things can get a little sideways for the Braves when they've gone out west. 
We saw what happened against the Dodgers, but this Giants team is certainly not the L.A. Dodgers. They come into the series opener five games under 500, tied with the Rockies at the bottom of the National League West standings. Giants have been playing 500 ball over their last 10 games. Meanwhile, if you look at what the Braves have been doing, they've won seven of their last 10, and they've won seven of the nine games since that big lineup shuffle. So the Braves have been scoring runs, and they've been getting good starting pitching, as we discussed as well. The bullpen will remain a question, but if they're able to get more of that good starting pitching and put more runs on the board and beat up on a team like the Giants that really has not played great baseball all year, then the Braves' road trip will be off to a good start. Because then you turn the page, and we've already seen the Cardinals. We saw them to start the last homestand, and I think we saw exactly what's wrong with the St. Louis Cardinals. They score all their runs on one night, and then they have a whole bunch of trouble over the rest of the series trying to scratch across enough runs. This has been going on for a little while for the St. Louis Cardinals club that is, in many respects, very similar to the Braves. They find themselves with a similar record. They've had some highs. They've had some lows. They've had some hot streaks. They've had some cold streaks, both offensively and on the pitching side of things. So we'll see how the Braves are able to stack up. It's seven games, four against a sub-500 club, and then three more against a club that's very much trying to stay at 500 and trying not to slip out of the race in the NL Central. And that, of course, will be that stop in St. Louis that follows the four games in San Francisco. So that's what's going on with the Braves as we start the week, and Atlanta starts another road trip, which begins on Monday night with a late game against the San Francisco Giants for all you East Coasters and for anybody else across the country, time zone dependent. Perhaps this will be a game that you'll enjoy watching at what you would refer to as normal hours. Either way, Braves and Giants will start their four-game series. Then the Braves head to St. Louis for three games as well before coming back home. Memorial Day will be a nice day of rest, and then it's the Braves and Nationals, so things will get interesting as we close out the month of May. Appreciate you tuning in to From the Diamond once again. If you like this podcast, make sure you're subscribed. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave a rating and a review. Always appreciate those, so keep them coming. And you can follow along on Twitter at From the Diamond underscore is where you can find the show. I am at Grant McCauley on Twitter as well and FromTheDiamond.com. That's where you can find everything, including every episode of the show. You may have noticed on Twitter I'm doing a giveaway right now. Three Austin Riley baseball cards are up there for you. 2016 Bowman Chrome Prospects. Three of those, so three different winners. I'll be selecting that sometime this week, so make sure you share that for your chance to win. You just need to retweet it and follow at FromTheDiamond underscore on Twitter, and I'll select those winners randomly at some point this week. So good luck with that. I'll announce the winners on the next show. But appreciate you tuning in to From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and I'll catch you next time. So long, everyone. 